ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. Um, I'm in like a worse mood than I've been for like the last two weeks. I am not only still waiting on responses from the network about my treatment, <laughs> I'm now waiting on edits to a 2,000 word feature. Like I, I am an artist. In general, I am sensitive, but I am super sensitive about my shit, my art. I tried something different and out of the box. For a very long time, I struggled to find my exact voice as a writer. I have since found it, and I'm sure it will evolve from here because, you know, that's what writers do. If you read people's early work, it usually sounds very different from their later work. If, if you're good, you shouldn't sound the same way you did when you were starting out as a newbie. But I found like this voice that I really like and actually really works. Instead of, I guess, writing to tone for the network or even for the publication that I just wrote this piece for, I went with the idea that you hired me because you like how I write, you like how I think, and you want that voice. And so that's the voice I gave. And you know, now I'm second guessing everything because I haven't received any responses. So... And this is the thing, like there's, there's no one's like excessively late in responding. Like literally with the publication, it's been 24 hours. I know I sound ridiculous, but I still haven't heard anything. I haven't heard anything from either of them other than, you know, acknowledging receipt of my art. So like, I'm just like, ah, writer crazed. I haven't been able to do shit because I've been writing and, and researching. If it wasn't for the feature, it's for this other project I'm working on and then you know, at some point I must turn in this book proposal. You know, that book could have been out by now if I'd done it when I was supposed to. Everything in due time. My literary agent. I'm like, you're not like annoyed with me that I'm like, you know, not producing it. And she was like, when you're ready to do it, you'll do it. It's really that simple. She's like, I don't want something that I have to like, you know, force you to do. It's going to be all around better art when you're ready. And I was like, I love you. Like me knowing me, you should probably give me like a due date because here we are like 18 months later and there's no book. Or finished proposal. Like, I keep, you know, rewriting it. Ugh. Me and my problems as a freaking creative. Ugh. Why do I have to have bills? If I didn't have bills, I wouldn't do any of this shit. i do the podcast. I mean, the podcast pays the bills, but still. That's not the point. I don't even know what the point is right now. Yeah. I'm recording this podcast on Friday at 1228. Somebody asked me this morning. They were like, sis, I see you posting. Like, where's the podcast? And I was like, don't do this shit. Y'all know I've told y'all. I've told y'all on the podcast. I'm overwhelmed. I've got a lot going on. Some stuff I can tell you about, some stuff I can't. But it's not like intentionally. It's just, you know, it gets done. It just ain't no time. I hope it's good when you get it. One of my friends, shout out to Karen Pitterkin. What's Karen's new last name? Karen got married. I don't want y'all no disrespect. My bad, Karen. But Karen texted me the other day. She said she was uh, in her car listening to the Tuesday episode of uh, Ratchet and Respectable. And she said she was laughing so hard that people in the car next to her were like looking at her like weird. Like, what is so GD funny, ma'am? Thank you for listening, Karen. Karen used to work at TV One. Karen is actually who signed me to the network to do Don't Waste Your Pretty, the film. I love Karen. What else is going on? I have nothing fun to report. I did just say that. I drank a glass of wine. It was after 12, but I'm not drunk. It was only one glass. It was a big glass, but that's not the point. Again, not sure what the point is. I haven't done shit. That's the point. I watched a September 11th documentary. Okay. 
in the middle of being overwhelmed with work and on edge waiting for feedback from the art that I've sent in for judgment from higher ups, I got the bright idea to watch a documentary about 9-11. It's a four-part documentary. It's on Hulu. What is the name of that documentary? It was really good. It's very white. One Day in America. That's what it's called. It's really good. Um, It has some of the same people that were featured in the Spike Lee documentary. If you remember um, the fire captain, the white guy who was like really, really stoic, he's in there. The black woman, I think she was like an office manager, one of the high up floors. I think she was one of the last people to get out of that first tower. Where's that Spike documentary on HBO? New York Epicenter, it's what it's called. I want to say it's like 9-11 to... 2021 and a half, spiking these titles. Well, so far, he's given two hours to COVID and then two hours to George Floyd and then two hours to September 11th. This one is four hours about September 11th. And so people that are interviewed have a little more space to tell their stories. There's also less people being interviewed. Like Spike had a ton of people. He did a lot of interviews for that documentary. He did most of them himself. You can hear him talking and asking questions and just looking at it as like as a journalist, like there's a lot that he did and his team did like getting all those people and scheduling all those interviews and the amount of, uh, what's the word? The amount of production and research that went into that is vast. But this one over on, um, on Hulu, less people, but bigger story, if that makes sense. September 11th, which you'll probably be listening to this um, on September 11th because it's not going to come out until late on Friday, especially for the East Coast. It's just a tragic fucking day. But in the midst of that tragedy, there were very good things that did happen. Very good human connections that were made. But watching it, one of the things that struck me, especially with this Hulu one, is they're tracking it. Like the first episode is maybe like the first hour of the day. It's not hour by hour. It's not like 24. But the way they're blocking it in terms of time and the passage of time, you really get the sense of like, that was a long ass day. And it just was nonstop. The first plane flies in and everybody's like, what the fuck? And then the second building gets hit. And then two planes are still rogue. One of those planes goes into the Pentagon. The other one either crashes or shot down. The official government response is we didn't shoot the plane down. And I'm like, I'm not even mad at you if you shot the plane down. I understand there were civilians on board, but it was a hijacked plane that was headed to the nation's capital. May God rest the souls of every single person on that plane. But whether it was shot down or the members or the people on the plane overtook the plane and, and put it down, they were dying anyway. Couldn't let another plane. Three already hit. Nearly 3,000 people died in the World Trade Center. So... So that plane goes down, one tower falls, another tower falls. Everyone's like, what the fuck? What the fuck? Later in the day, the firefighters, which God bless them, God bless them, and a bunch of other people. In this Hulu one, there's like a black Marine, and he was just like, I was watching it on TV, and he was like, I'm looking, and it's just like, you know, all that destruction, and it's going to take like a million people to clean it up. And he was like, I guess I'll be one in that number. And so he was like, he showed up and then he saw another Marine show up. And then the firefighters were like, no, you're crazy. Like, this is burning metal. And he was like, it's a disaster. And the firefighters were like, you can't walk into it. Like, come back. And he was like, Marines, go forward. We don't go back. And I was like, bruh, that's some sexy shit. 
I was like, do I need to go date a Marine? <laughs> you want somebody to lead and submit. You got demonstrated leadership skills. You know what's weird? I actually like leading. I like being, quote and unquote, a leader. And, and not to the sense that I like, you know, I have an ego trip off of it. Like, I like coming up with the big idea. Like, I like figuring things out. I like the challenge of it. Like, it gets annoying. But, like, I like leading my life. The only thing that's a problem is I don't have enough time. I need two me's to make my life work. I was actually thinking about this the other day, and I know we're going off back from September 11th, but we're coming back, I promise. The other day I was thinking, I was like, you know what I really need? A wife. I need a wife. I was running errands the other day. I was getting my car washed, and I had work that I needed to do, but I had to go to this appointment in North Hollywood, which is like 30 minutes away. And when I go to North Hollywood, I run all my errands. So go to the magazine stand, I get my car washed, I go to the two different grocery stores, but I take care of like everything on that side of town. Not because it doesn't exist in downtown LA, but because there's better parking. Downtown LA, like I rarely move my car. I bought a new truck right before I moved to LA. You know that truck ain't got 10,000 miles on it? I don't even think it's 9,000 miles. Living downtown, like I could drive, but ain't nowhere to park. So what's the point? It's just much faster to walk. Like all the cute places are no more than like, I don't know, four or five avenues, which might sound crazy if you're not used to living in like a pedestrian city. But like I lived in New York. So like, you know, getting off the train at 7th and walking to like 10th or 11th, like, okay, what do I do? Get in a cab, take a bus? Like, it's crazy. I'm just going to walk. That's not the point. The point is I was sitting there waiting for my car. And I was like, I need another me who can go do my errands for me to maintain like the, the minutia of my life for me while I, you know, do like the work for me, which sustains me. It would be so much better if I had another me. And so I was joking. I was like, should I get an executive assistant or a wife? And I was like, the executive assistant can help with the work stuff. I was like, the executive assistant, you know, they can run errands, but like, can they do the production of the podcast? But no, the cleaning, that's something different. I was going through like this list of like all the people with different occupations I would need to hire to outsource my life. I was like, I'd have to have like an assistant to like run the errands. And then I would need a producer. And then I would need someone to cook. And then I would need someone to like clean an event planner. And I was like, do I get a husband? I was joking with my friend when I said this, and she was like, girl, that's more work. You get a husband, you have to add nanny to the list. Somebody got to take care of him. Oh, God. Okay, so not a husband, but I was like, I got to hire, like, you know, like 10 different people to outsource all my shit or, or a wife. But I ain't attracted to women. That's how I know for sure, like, sexuality is not a choice. Because if I could choose, I would get a wife. And then I was like, do they make any models of men? Like, full cishet male, Right. But brain of woman, so they can do like everything. Because I feel like men are very good at certain things, but I feel like wives are like all purpose. I know somebody was like, well, what about like, you know, moving heavy objects or like, you know, lifting things? I was like, that's what TaskRabbit is for. That's what I do now. But I was like, ah, oh, I need a wife. How did we get here? Talking about that fine ass Marine, which I felt really bad because it's like, you know, a September 11th documentary. And I've been crying like the whole documentary. Like my eyes were puffed up. Like I was sitting here with tissues and wine, which really bad idea. But in the midst of this with like my puffed up eyes, half tipsy, feeling like, you know, very like, you know, what is my life? What is my life? I don't understand my life. I don't understand these choices. Like I'm, I'm an emotional mess right now. Right. Watching this documentary and being like, God damn, he fine. Especially 
We go forward. We don't go back. Put some bass in his voice when he said it. I was like, woo-wee. Something is wrong with me. <laughs> I know something's wrong with me. The Marine was, like I said, he went, he went down to ground zero to help find the survivors. But he finds this guy. I think I blocked out a lot of stuff from September 11th. Um, there were only 18 survivors. Like of, of the people who were trapped in the metal, like after the buildings came down, I mean, I guess it makes sense. Like two giant buildings fall and then another building, you know, falls many hours later. Like, but 18 people and they had one, two, three, four, five, maybe five of them in the documentary. One of them was a black woman. A police captain was coming down from the second tower and there was a woman black woman sitting on the steps and they were like, what are you doing? And she was like, no, like I've walked down from like the 80 something floor. I want to say she was like almost 60. She was like, I am tired. I cannot. This is it. They were like, it ain't it. And so they were helping this woman get down the stairs and they were like, people were coming down after them and they were going really slow. Um, and the woman stopped at four. And so she was like, no, like I'm tapped out. I'm done. Like, this is it for me. Like, leave me here. I understand the decision I'm making. Go forth and leave. Like, just go. And they were like, we're not leaving you. So they're going back and forth with the woman and the second tower collapses on them. They get stuck in this little pocket where they're, they're fine. They're, they're shaken up, but they're you no know, bones broken, like literally not a scratch on them, covered in soot, but fine. The, but the documentary has the police captain, and he was like, yeah, like, you know, we got her out. She got taken to the hospital because she was, you know, already messed up. So they were separated. And he was like, I, I knew her first name. I didn't know how to get in contact with her. Journalists were crucified sometimes, but we do do good work. We, we do know how to research, if nothing else. A journalist finds the woman and reunites Oh my God, I'm just tearing up thinking about it. Reunites the captain and the woman, and it's on video. I tell you, I sobbed, I sobbed, I sobbed, I sobbed, I sobbed, I sobbed. Oh my God, how I sobbed. The woman lived for another nine years after 9-11. And the police captain and the other officers who had helped her down the stairs were pallbearers. Oh God, sorry. Were pallbearers at her funeral. And it had like pictures and video of that too. Lost it. But that's what this whole documentary is. It's all the crazy of September 11th, but it's also the beautiful humanity that was also found in that day. It's a really good documentary. If you're, um, if you're not, you know, extraordinarily triggered, you're going to cry. If you like doing that to yourself, because some people do, clearly I do, because I watched that whole documentary in like one sitting. But I actually feel better. I'm a cancer. You know, like, we love to, like, have just, like, good cries sometimes. Like, I specifically watch, like, a certain episode of This Is Us. William, when William dies. So I can cry sometimes because it's, it's good for me. It's cathartic. If you're interested in September 11th documentaries, I talked about the Spike Lee one before. Or at least I talked about it on social media. I know I talked about it. I just can't remember where. But the Spike Lee one, NYC Epicenters, and then this documentary. It's four parts. One Day in America which is on Hulu. Both really, really good. What else is going on? We need to talk about some happy things because I am, I told you I'm like an emotional wreck for many reasons, which my mother called me the other day and she was like, I'm just calling to check in. I was like, do you know I'm on the edge? And she was like, mm, yeah. She was like, don't jump off it. But like, you know, I know. I was like, oh, okay. Damson Idris is in his draws, which is always a good thing. He is, 
I guess like the new face of Calvin Klein. He posted a video the other day of him taking off his clothes. I think he got down to his drawers and then like it cut to another scene and he had his pants on again. And I was like, whose idea was that? Stop it. And then he actually did post a picture. First, it was on his Instagram stories. Clearly, I stalked this man. Um, but first, he put it on his Instagram stories, and then he put it on the main page. But damn, some Idris is, um, he's in his drawers. He looks lovely. He's been working out. He has socks on. Otherwise, he is pure naked chocolate. He looks very nice. I usually like him a little wider, but I ain't mad at this. If an offer was made, <laughs> I wouldn't say no. Rihanna is on the cover of Dazed, Dazed Magazine. It's their 30th anniversary. Um, I guess this is their September issue. She looks freaking amazing. There's at least three covers. One of them she's giving, it's giving Morpheus in the Matrix, but in all white with a bikini and an umbrella. Okay, maybe I'm not describing that right. She has on a white bikini and thigh high boots with a long white trench coat. And two gentlemen behind her. So the gentlemen behind her are dressed in black suits. Even though they have black shirts, one of them is carrying a briefcase. That's what's giving me Matrix vibes. But then there's a white umbrella involved, which, you know, Rihanna's first really, really, really big hit was Umbrella. And she's got short hair here. Go to the day's IG and you'll see it. Like, it's a, it's a really beautiful, dope shot. And the first time I saw it, I guess because I saw the umbrella, I was like, wait, did an album drop? Is an album dropping? But I think this is just about, like, you know, the magnificence that is Rihanna. And then another cover, she has on what looks like a, I'm going to say snakeskin. It's not snakeskin, but it's giving snakeskin vibes. It's a snakeskin jumpsuit with the feet. She's giving me Bond Girl energy. And the title is The Golden Reign of Rihanna. She looks great. And the images inside, Days posted one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight photos of her. One of them, I believe she's dressed like, a joint, like a white boy joint. Oh yeah, it says dream blunt rotation, but it's not a blunt because she's not brown, she's white. I mean, and I want to be like, where's the album, sis? But you know, I hate how y'all be asking me, where's the podcast, sis? I'm like, I'm trying to do other things. I'm like, I love this thing, but I also love doing other things. And if I'm ever going to expand into other places, I actually need to do things to get there. You know, it's a bit of a challenge. Um, Speaking of the Matrix, the trailer just came out for The Matrix 4, which I wasn't looking for another Matrix. I saw one, obviously, which was amazing. Two was all right. Three was, huh? And so I wasn't looking for a Matrix 4. But then, like, Yaya appears to be playing Morpheus. Whatever he's playing, he looks fucking amazing. And Keanu Reeves, <laughs> he's starting to look like, I mean, because, you know, it's him. But he's starting to give me the same energy and, like, every role now. I watched the trailer for the new Matrix and the first thing I thought about was like, he's giving very John Wick right now. But John Wick, like, you know, kick people's ass just like Neo. So I'm gonna go see it. It doesn't come out till December. It doesn't come out till December. I'm going to the theaters to see that though. Like Respect, I was like, ah, will I, won't I, will I, won't I, I don't know. I don't think I lost anything by watching Respect on Amazon Prime. But the Matrix, like, I, I feel like I need to see those special effects on like the biggest screen possible and it'll be december so like hopefully we'll resolve some of our COVID issues by then maybe i mean this is america who knows chloe bailey little chloe bailey who's not so little anymore chloe bailey is 23 she's a grown woman a young grown woman 
but a grown woman nonetheless. Chloe Bailey had a new video that dropped this morning. Have mercy. It's giving Beyonce, which I saw a lot of people say. They were like, stop comparing her to Beyonce. Chloe Bailey is her own person. Chloe Bailey is absolutely her own person. Chloe Bailey is also on Beyonce's label and mentored by Beyonce. It really shouldn't shock anyone that she gives Beyonce vibes. The video was good. I mean, Chloe was doing a lot. But I also recognize that, you know, she's a young girl and, and they express their, their sexuality a little different than, than I may have done. I don't think at 23 I would have done a video where I was like grabbing my crotch. I don't ever remember like publicly grabbing my crotch at 23. Like that's, that's a lot. But then, you know, like Evelyn Lozada is like, you know, in her 40s. She's older than me. And she grabbed her crotch. It wasn't a video, but it was on video. But there's a lot of crotch grabbing from, from Chloe Bailey. And I was like, I guess, you know, like men have been grabbing their crotch for like time immemorial and no one ever said anything. So, you know, it's your crotch. If you want to grab it, you know, so be it. Chloe was like, you know, grabbing her crotch and humping the floor and, you know, shaking and patting her ass. And I was like, oh, you know, it's your ass. You can pat it. But I was like, oh, Chloe, it's a lot. But Chloe has grown. I feel like every artist who we, we got to know as a child goes through this phase of like, you know, hyper in your face, especially women's sexuality. Like, I'm an adult. I can do what I want. And I'm like, yes, you're a new adult. This is the way you think adulthood has to be. You must do all the things that you finally can do because you're old enough to do them all at once. I'm like, you can space it out. You don't have to do it right now. Like, there's time. Hopefully you've got like, you know, if you're 20, hopefully you've got like at least 60, 65 summers. At least but if you want to, you know, try it out all at once, like, so be it. I did too much at 20-something, too. The song is just okay to me. I didn't love it. It's catchy enough. I think what my issue is, and I know why she's doing it, Chloe Bailey can actually sing. Like, she can sing her ass off, and she's super talented. You know, she chooses to get butt naked, but I feel like you have so much talent. Like, you don't have to get butt naked, but I feel like she's been getting butt naked a lot. And I think it's because, like, you know, she wants to be a big star. And that's kind of what's required for most of our big stars, especially pop stars. I mean, like, I think she wants to be, like, you know, a Beyonce. And why not? You know, that requires, you know, shaking a lot of ass and the removal of a lot of clothing on a lot of occasions to at least get to where you want to be. The half-nakedness is what gets people's attention. I feel like this song in this video... But because this is her first time as a solo artist. She's usually with her sister, Hallie. Or is it Haley? And for the longest time, people didn't know which one was which. They were like, we know their names, but like, are you Chloe or are you Chloe? I don't know which one is Chloe. Like, one of them was supposed to be the live-action Little Mermaid. I think that was the other one. Hallie? Haley. You know I'm bad with names. But that was the sister, right? Did that ever come out? I wanted to watch it just to support a black girl. But maybe COVID threw it off. I don't know. I thought the song was okay. I, th I think for like, uh, you know, if she had like a, a voice like, you know, say like a Janet Jackson or a Madonna who have very different voices, but I think everyone understands the point that I'm making. Like, they're not the strongest singers. Can they carry a note? Sure. Can they blow? No. Chloe can blow. And, you know, this is one song that's going to be on a whole album. I hope that there's moments on the album where she blows because Chloe's really, really good. Um, she has a really amazing voice. So I hope that, you know, she wants to show her ass. Show your ass. It's your ass. But I hope that she doesn't just show her ass. I hope that she shows her full range of self. I hope she doesn't fall into the Lizzo conundrum. Which, like, I forget Lizzo can actually sing sometimes. 
or play the flute. Because I'm like, sis, all I ever see is your ass. Again, your ass, you want to shake it, you want to show it, like, so be it. But, like, I honestly forget sometimes that, like, Lizzo is immensely talented. Can we get, like, ass and flute and singing in equal proportion? So I'm like, oh, okay, she shakes her ass, she plays the flute, and she sings really well. She has a crazy octave. I'm like, if you could just give me, like, all three in equal proportion, it would remind me that, oh, Lizzo has many facets. I don't want Chloe to fall into that. I had a moment when I was watching the video, actually right after the video went off, I went and looked up who directed it because I thought it was like really well shot. I thought visually it was very stunning. And I also wondered if it was like a frequent collaborator for Beyonce. It wasn't actually. It was, um, her name is Karina Evans. She's best known so far because she's very young. She's only 26, but she's best known for doing Drake videos. She did God's Plan, Nice for What, and In My Feelings. And she was actually nominated for an MTV award. But I was shocked when I learned she was 26. And I was like, you know what? I really got to stop thinking of 26-year-olds as like, you know, eternal interns forever. Like at 26, like I had like a real job. I wasn't like, you know, super successful at it. She's a protege of Little X who like adores her. Like he, I saw some quote he was talking about her and he was like, I'm like a proud dad. You saw Queen Sugar was back. It came out on Tuesday. It's Friday now. So I can tell you about it. So we can talk about it. I don't feel like I'm spoiling anything. Didn't I tell y'all last week we talked about this show? I was like, I know for a fact Nova's going to get on my nerves. First episode, she gets into a conundrum and she was like, I'm going to call the police. Ma'am, haven't you spent like the last 10 years writing greasy shit about the police? And now you're going to call the police and be shocked and surprised when a man shows up and acts like an ass? You didn't see that coming? I saw it coming. Micah saw it coming. Micah was like, what are you doing? (laughs) Micah's fresh self. Dealing with an older woman, but he's, you know, of age. It was consensual. Charlie sneaking around with Davis. I saw something online. This woman was uh, summarizing, summarizing the first episode. And she was like, Charlie out here digging in the damn trash. <laughs> I said this, it, like when Charlie and, and Davis, you know, decided to have their difficult conversation last season and tried to reunite. Like I was very opposed to it at first when Davis came sniffing around. Remember he tried to kiss Charlie and she looked at him like, nigga, what? And then she got the COVID and he came by to take care of her. He did a really good job. And I was like, well, maybe Davis ain't so bad after all. And I really thought he was going to try to push up on her when she was still sick. And I was like, sleazeball ass. He's a sleazeball. And then he was like, I'm glad you're feeling better. And I'm going home now. Call me anytime you need me. Good day. And I was like, oh. Then they had a little conversation in the park. He got me. I'm actually rooting for Charlie and Davis. I, I know. I got a soft spot for things like that. And I generally don't usually root for like exes to be reunited. But it's, you know, it's TV. I rooted for Vi and Hollywood when Hollywood was fucking up. I don't think I rooted for Ralph Angel and Darla though. Darla. <laughs> they turned up the volume on Ralph Angel this season. I didn't have to put on the closed caption to understand what he was saying. Ralph Angel. I'm like, your sister is a whole millionaire. Even more than that, your whole family has entrusted you with the safety of y'all daddy's land. You out here on your fourth payday loan talking about, oh, when the harvest comes in, I know, and you should know, that that harvest is going to be fucked up. It's just the nature of TV writing. There's no story if everything goes right. You waiting on that harvest that's supposed to pay all the bills? I guarantee you a tornado's coming, a hurricane's coming, 
Something's going to happen with that harvest and Ralph Angel ain't going to have no money. He don't know. I know. Sir, instead of taking payday loans, why don't you go ask your millionaire sister for a little bit of cash? The kind of money that you're borrowing, like, oh, I bought like this fancy baby thing, whatever, right? What you borrowing, like $1,000? Maybe? Fuck it. Let's say $2,500. you have done this like four times? Okay. It's $10,000. Charlie got bags that cost more than that. If you don't go ask that woman for a loan, Charlie going to say some shit to you that makes you feel bad and irresponsible. You might not want to ask Charlie. Okay. Oh, I can tell you the storyline right now. It just came to me. You don't want to ask Charlie. Nova got a goddamn book deal. She put all the damn family business into it. She better got paid good up front. Nova should have a little change. Go ask Nova for some money. You don't want to ask Charlie. Charlie going to tell you you ain't shit, but give you the money. Nova will probably give you the money and want to give you a plan, but she's going to give you the money. You know who would also give him the money, though? He don't want to ask her because they beefing. Aunt Vi got a whole restaurant. You know who else got money on this show? Hollywood. Remember that explosion or something happened on his like oil liner, oil tank, something? He was going away and getting money and it had something to do with oil. But he got like a bunch of money from that, like a whole bunch. He had a big settlement. Hollywood got a bunch of money. All Ralph Angel need is like $10,000. Sir, if you don't stop taking these high interest loans, getting yourself in more debt and gambling the family farm and go ask some damn family since you're the only one that's broke, everybody could give you $2,500. You could do that. But instead, you out here getting these high interest loans. And I respect that he's not spending it on dumb shit. Like he went and got like a good, what, stroller, bassinet, something for the baby. The baby does need a nice place to like, you know, lay his head. I get it. But sir, the family farm is in jeopardy. You see me talking about these people like they're real. <laughs> oh, what else is going on? Chrisette Michelle wants to be uncanceled. Which she should be. This conversation has come up lately because Kanye just dropped this album and, and people were eager and excited for it to come out. They were, you know, paying to go to these listening parties. And as soon as the album dropped, people are, you know, either ranting, raving, criticizing it, whatever. But they'd gone and listened to it. And so validly, people were making the point that they were like, so y'all could forgive Kanye with that slavery is a choice shit and walking around with a Confederate flag and a MAGA hat shit. Y'all can't forgive Chrisette Michelle just for singing at the inauguration? How? I've been saying for years, I think since the beginning of this podcast, I was like, y'all need to uncancel her. We let men get away with like crazy shit. The baby's out here saying homophobic shit, saying shit about people with AIDS. Kanye was trying to hold his whole damn album up after more than a month of delays because he was waiting for the baby's manager to sign off on a song because he was like, the baby was the only person who said he would vote for me when I was running for president. I actually forgot that happened. I forgot Kanye tried to run for president. Jesus Christ. People still, still advocate for R. Kelly. People still advocate for Bill Cosby. People will forgive men for like damn near anything. T.I. is under investigation for like raping, drugging and raping a bunch of people. I think VH1 put his show on pause, but I have not seen one, not seen nary a movement for canceling T.I. I don't like that Chrisette sang at Trump's inauguration. I don't. But as a culture, we're going to overlook, you know, people peeing on girls and boys. R. Kelly. Drake's album came out and somebody asked me, they were like, you don't feel any kind of way like, you know, supporting this album when, you know, he's got these texts with like, you know, this underage girl or like, you know, liking the Nas album 
when, you know, Khalees said that he beat her. And I was like, one, I don't. I was like, I can acknowledge that you're a trash-ass person and, and make good art. The reason I don't listen to R. Kelly is because his music is highly sexual and he's singing about fucking kids. When I hear his music, it sounds disgusting to me because all I can think about is an old-ass man with, like, underage girls. Not just young-ass girls, underage. There's a difference. I can acknowledge that people can be very problematic and also make, like, amazing fucking music. That's not hard for me. I concede that, like, R. Kelly made great fucking music. I just think that I don't feel the need to rant about it, though, because I think the primary conversation about R. Kelly should be, when is the goddamn conviction happening? I had to stop reading what was going on in that court case. It was so disgusting. Like, I felt nasty reading it. And then I read some of it out loud on here. Like, I felt disgusting just with those words coming out of my mouth. It was, it was gross. But yeah, uncanceled Chrisette. It's time. It's time. She did an interview responding. Was it on Revolt? Yes, it was on Revolt. She did an interview responding to people saying that she should be uncanceled. I'm reading from Revolt now. Quote, Michelle questioned why her career didn't soar like her male counterparts after she sang at Trump's inauguration. I always wonder how to respond to this question. It's actually the reason I don't do interviews anymore. Being compared to Kanye and Travis, Travis Green, who also performed at inauguration, and I never hear his name in this conversation. He's a gospel artist. But she says, quote, being compared to Kanye and Travis Green for the last five years, watching them soar into the highest realms of stardom, waiting on God's hand to show me exactly what my story will look like. I've made a choice to stay full of gratitude and masterpiece. But today, but today I read a post that inspired me to allow the energy of comparison to enter my feed. She went on to question what role her gender has played in her being canceled. She asked, would you release new music if you were me? What would you sing about? Who would you sing to? Why? What does my role as a female play in this story? Wish she'd called herself a woman, but okay. What about my role as Christian? How about my role as it compares to Kanye and Travis? She goes on to say that she only sang at inauguration because she wanted to unite the country which was so divided at the time. Oh, she also notes that uh, following her performance for the inauguration, Spike Lee scrapped her song, Black Girl Magic, from his Netflix series, She's Gotta Have It, because he didn't want to feel, quote, misrepresented. She said she also received death threats, lost a record deal, and radio stations refused to play her music. This is Revolt editorializing. They point out that West has gone on to elevate his career in both music and fashion. But Revolt points out that Yeezy shoes sell out within seconds for every release. And he has a forthcoming collaboration with The Gap, which is projected to bring in millions. Kanye, in the midst of all that MAGA shit, became a billionaire. Chrisette's got a rightful beef. And I don't have answers to any of her questions. Should she put out music? I mean, I think she has an amazing voice. She can blow too. Maybe try as a gospel artist? Like, they love a redemption story over there. And then cross back over to R&B? Maybe because people are just hell bent on canceling Chrisette. Men get second chances. Women, not so often. I'm really trying to find, I'm really trying to think of a woman who was officially canceled and got a comeback. I don't know. If you can think of one, let me know. Nothing pops in my mind. 
Last but not least, there's other things on our list. Like this Janet Jackson documentary. But it doesn't come out until January 22nd. It's on Lifetime. And it's being executive produced by Janet Jackson. Which I was like, are we going to get the tea? Maybe she'll tell her own tea. She's sharing lots of her behind-the-scenes footage, which is what I'm really, really interested to see. Like, I, you know, I grew up on Janet. Janet was my Beyonce before there was a Beyonce. Literally. So, actually, I'm excited about it. But it's not coming out till next year. So, last but not least, do you see this beef between um, Lunell, the comedian, black woman, heavyset, always short blonde hair? That's like her signature look she's had forever. Before Michael K. Williams passed away, there was a story, I want to say about like two or three comedians. I want to say like one of them died from an overdose, maybe like a week or so before Michael K. Williams died from a heroin overdose. So Lunell, she wrote, quote, have a drink, smoke a self-rolled or dispensary rolled joint. Leave the fucking scissor, molly and cocaine alone. You might be next. And all you were trying to do was party. This shit is no joke at all. The dope dealers are killing people. Essentially, it's a long way of saying, say no to drugs, hard drugs, which I think when you have two very popular people, I wasn't familiar with the the comedian who passed away, but he died from an overdose. And then Michael K. Williams is also in the news. He died from an overdose. I think it's a worthy message to put out to be like, hey, like, understand people do this shit and they're dying. And I know it's, it's way more complicated than just like, you know, just say no, but these hard drugs are killing people. I saw what she said. I didn't see anything wrong with it. Jocelyn Hernandez has a complete flip out over this. And she says of Lunell, I don't even want to read the whole thing. Says, um, tell this fat hoe to stop eating. That also can kill you. She's a burger away from a heart attack. And you talking about someone just died for whichever reason that she's not even sure about. Fucking pig. Put the plate down. Pig, pig, pig. I was like, this is how teenagers write when they're upset about something. But the first time I read it, and I read it on the Grio, the first time I read it, I was like, who gets this upset about someone saying, stop doing hard drugs other than someone doing hard drugs? I was like, ma'am, say you like cocaine without saying you like cocaine. Like who other than somebody who like, you know, is doing drugs and feels great about doing drugs and wants to keep doing drugs or is currently on drugs currently like not like I took some drugs this morning and it's worn off, but I'm currently hot. Who else gets that upset about someone saying say no to drugs? I was like, do we need to stage an intervention for Jocelyn? Because like, sis, that's the most. And I'm actually dead serious right now. Like. If you know her, get her some help because she's sounding like she needs some help because this reaction, the immaturity of it, and also this reaction to saying no to drugs is not, is not normal. Something's going on with her and I don't want anything bad to happen to her. I'm very serious when I say that. I'm not being jokey. I'm not being sarcastic. I'm not being condescending. I'm being concerned. I don't know her. If someone knows her or you know someone who knows her. Because apparently Atlanta has 10 people in it and they all know each other. Like, check on sis. Last week I was like, check on your life with a party friend. Um, Check on your high friend. See what they're getting high on. Make sure it's something, you know, light and easy. Not opposed to like, you know, hard and bad. Some shit that'll take you out. 
Never heard of anybody dying from weed. I'm sure somebody would write in now and be like, so XYZ died from weed. Okay, it's really rare. I'm sure it's happened. But it's really rare. Not something you hear about often. Whereas cocaine, heroin, you hear about that, you know, on a regular basis. I still can't believe he died. So sad. That's it for today, folks. I'm about to edit this. And while I was talking, one of my girls just hit me up. And she was like, I made reservations on the rooftop. Let's get some drinks tonight. Which sounds like a great idea. Notice I said drinks. Not cocaine. We'll be downtown. I won't be driving. Stay safe, folks. Have an excellent and wonderful weekend. Get into shenanigans. Keep them off the internet. No pictures, no video. Did it happen? Who knows? Talk again on Tuesday. Thank you as always for listening. Okay, bye.